Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 304. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we marvel at a story about a couple of passengers on a Cessna who were about to be screwed because their pilot passed out, but then they got in touch with air traffic control, and they were, you know, they figured out the, the, the onboard thing, and they landed a plane, a couple of total randos safely ran landed a plane and i actually believe it was in the home state of one of our um panelists uh so we'll figure that out in a second but i just for whatever reason was very uplifted by this story because it's the kind of thing that only happens in the movies i am your host nagin farsad and when i read this story i really pictured like if i could keep my cool and figure out how to land a plane you know what i mean i'm someone who gets a little nervous about an incline in Manhattan. You know what I mean? So could I land a plane is the question on all of our minds. I'm going to say a solid maybe. Today, we're going to talk about the SCOTUS leak that we didn't get to talk about last week because we recorded earlier than normal. Who knew it was going to be the biggest story of the year so far? We'll also dig into the age of senators, a congressional dude named Madison Cawthorn, deepfakes, and Marilyn Monroe. Uh, it's an action-packed show this week, folks, and I am so excited by today's panel. So, 
I got to see this this particular gentleman last week in person at the Irvine Improv because he came to just see me as an audience member and my friend. Um, he, You've heard him on this show like 12,000 times because he's just remarkable in every way. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's a comedian. I, I mean, one of the things I dislike about him being in Los Angeles is that I don't get to see him perform comedy as much as I used to because the man knows how to do it and just like delights audiences all over the country. He's also just happens to be a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces. What? It's Banari Lee Poulton. Hey, Banari. Hey. I am so proud to be here. I'm so happy that I got to see you do the comedy from your mouth hole. From my mouth hole. That's right. In person, which is always a delight. I mean, guys, he drove to a suburb. You know what I mean? That's the kind of of, uh, friend we're looking at here. He'll drive to a suburb to see you. That's like real. Um, Now, also joining us on the show for the very first time... He is a former comedian. I mean, his resume was already just like so fascinating to me. Former comedian who is now running for Congress in Florida's 15th. So I think he's going to have a very particular um, perspective that a perspective that could, in fact, be put into action at some point in the future, um, unlike me and Bonari, whose perspectives are l- little happens. Um, it is uh, the uh, so delightful, and I'm so excited to hear from him, Eddie Geller. Hey, Eddie. Uh, oh, thank you so much. And I'm, you know, don't sell yourself short. You never know when your perspective <laughs> might be I mean, you know, I'm that's running true. for Congress. You never know. That's true. No, that's absolutely true. Well, before we get into the show, I just want to remind people. Uh, first of all, thank you so much to everyone who's come out um, where, where I've been performing my uh, Nagin Farsad Presents Comedy from Her Mouth Hole. I'm, uh, I've been just so delighted to see Fake the Nation fans in the wild. Apologies to anyone who saw me after the show in Worcester. I was a zombie person who could barely, like, speak after after the show. Like, my full body just, like, shut down from from red eyes and sleeplessness anyways. Um, so, but I just, I'm, I'm truly, truly heartwarmed by everyone who's come out. Um, there's two more dates of me p- performing, headlining um, uh, Comedy from Her Mouth Hole at Joe's Pub in New York City on May 21st and May 22nd. Again, that's Joe's Pub in New York City. May 21st and May 22nd. I hope you come out. It's, like, an iconic place to see stand-up. And um, just shows in general. And uh, I'm so happy to be there. And uh, I, it'll be fun. The last one at Joe's Pub was really fun. It'll be a good time. And I'm also going to be at the Solid Sound Festival alongside Wilco. <laughs> like making myself sound really cool. No big deal. Um, in, uh, At Mass Mocha during Memorial Weekend. Another great thing about seeing you in person is you get to see some Fake the Nation fans who come out to see you. So I got yes! to meet some Fake the Nation fans in person as well because I went to see you. So this oh community my God, is fantastic. That was, uh, yeah, and that Fake the Nation listener. Oh, I, I can't remember your name, but you uh, you were so delightful. The one I got to um, also uh, introduce to Bernari, and, he, and it was uh, it was a it was a double a double um so people should go out and see people you in should person. go because you you may see other panelists and that's just the truth <laughs> all right so let's get into it with topic number one the scotus leak okay so you already know but just to reiterate a draft opinion was released that would overturn roe v wade <laughs> and it was it wasn't really sorry it was leaked and it sent the nation into shock we were living that shock last week 
I guess we're still shocked. Now we're, you know, in that awkward period of just like, get the actual ruling out already. If this is going to happen, just do it. Uh, or if it's not ha- going to happen, just please don't do it. Um, but so before we get into specifics, because we didn't get to talk about this on last week's show, um, can you just vent at me your thoughts and your feelings eddie i'm sure you've been asked about this on the campaign trail no i mean it's you know it's hard to express what hasn't already been talked about but it's i mean it's it's maddening it's devastating i mean this is dystopia i mean this is what we are sliding towards and and it's been a fever dream of the right wing for you know since uh since it was decided to be able to repeal this And so now we are about to see it come to pass. And I think there's just been we've been resting on our Democrats have been resting on our laurels for too long. I mean, to your point, like we've seen this coming and we have not done enough to beat it back. And, you know, if there is any silver lining to this and it is hard to even say silver lining to something so horrible. But hopefully this gets people to recognize the stakes because it is it is awful. And um, and there's so many people who are going to be hurt and you know lives are going to be at stake and uh so i mean there you can't say enough negative things about it so that that's my quick you know gut reaction and to to eddie's point it's why people like eddie should be running for congress we need look nobody nobody likes the fact that their only hope against fascism and autocracy right now are voting for more Democrats, but that's where we're at. Okay. We can go back and we can look at all the little mistakes that were made over the last 50 years, whether it's complacency, whether it's ignoring the base, whether it's engaging in bad faith arguments for decades with Republicans who were never interested in upholding these rights. Okay. They were concerted Republicans. Okay. Republicans did this. Republicans have been doing this. Republicans have made a concerted effort to do this. They've made no bones about it. And this is the culmination of what they have been working for, and they are not done. And the only way out of this is to keep voting for Democrats as frustrating as that feels. So we need Democrats like Eddie. We need Democrats at every part of government. We need local, federal, state-level Democrats. That's the only way through that, okay? And we'll hold them accountable, and, and we'll keep doing it. But right now, there is only one party that is responsible for this, and that is Republicans. This is what Republicans want to do, and we cannot afford to let them back into power. Um, can I ask you guys a really dumb question? So uh, I, I've taken note that you're both men, Yes. And yes. I wonder. And who better to you, discuss? You, who better discuss? This? <laughs> who better you read discuss my alpha file? Reproductive <laughs> rights and and rulings that will primarily <laughs> we should have two white men discuss uh, rulings that will affect women that's, and primarily uh, that's women. That's how of color. I do. Here on Fake the Nation. By the way, before I get the tweet, because I know that I will, we book the show far in advance, so it's not we don't we don't know what what news we're going to talk about when we book people. That said, I'm actually. Very interested in what the men have to say because I just wonder, like anecdotally, how it how it's felt to you as a dude and your fellow dudes. Like, what is what is that? I mean, because I know what it feels like for the ladies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's I, I've I've had friends who've had abortions. I've had friends who've had medically recommended abortions because of uh, fetal anomaly and I, I i mean th- th- so this is something it's not 
unusual. It's not weird. It's like just been a fact of female life, right? My entire life. So for me, it's not, you know, so that's, that's how it's hit me. Um, where, where do you think, I mean, men are seeing this issue on their, like their voting roster? Well, I think, you know, when I, at least I can say from my own experience, I mean, it just feels crushing to, you know, to see the reaction and to know what is coming down the pike. I mean, I was, at a rally a couple of weeks ago and you could see both the both the anger and the fear and you know of course i or not necessarily of course but i I do not have a uterus so i'm you know my body is not affected by this decision but just the the idea that the government would tell me there's a medical procedure that i cannot have because they morally disagree with it it, it's mind-blowing and i don't and i i want more men to understand that and to empathize that and i've seen I've seen some of that. And I think the other thing, too, that I, you know, just want to mention real quick is I talk a lot about this, but I think, you know, you don't need to be on the campaign to talk about it. I'm so sick of Republicans winning these messaging wars. I mean, the fact that pro-life, I'm using quotation marks, has been a phrase that has been used for so long is such a a coup by the Republican Party and the, the radical right. This is not pro-life. There's nothing pro-life about forcing women to give birth against their will. Um, so I, I want more men to both, yeah, be, you know, have that empathy and understand that this is about, you know, bodily autonomy and women's rights. And I'm seeing some of it, and I think we're going to see more of it. Can I ask you something? Benari, I heard a, an, an article, uh, uh, an interview on NPR. <laughs> Very surprising to listeners that I listen to NPR. Um, Shocked and, and stunned. <laughs> More shocking than the, than, than the ruling in the league. <laughs> um, and the, 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 the woman that was being interviewed works on the ground um, at an abortion clinic. And, and one of the things she talked about, unfortunately, I didn't catch her name I didn't, or where she was um, calling from. I think it was a state in the South. Um, one of the things she said that I you know, found um, particularly moving was that she said, like, you know, Activists who are pro-choice and activists who are pro-life, no one is actually there for women who need actually resources. Whether or not they choose to have an abortion, they need resources and they've always needed resources and no one's kind of carrying through, carrying them through this process, whatever the process ends up right. being, right? Where, do you think we, we sort of like lose track of that in, the, Look, in this entire debate? There's a lot we've, we've lost track of and let me just one give a plug to um liz winstead and abortion access front follow her on twitter follow them on twitter um they are boots on the ground with getting yep. um local access uh across the nation state by state um there are a lot of activists on the ground look we we we, we look at these things and we start looking at putting money into uh these national organizations which are really bureaucracies and they're not helping women on the ground in the states that need it most right now and what we need are people at the local level. But secondly, uh, and, and and people like Liz Winstead have been doing the work for decades. There are women out there doing the work. There are men out there doing the work. And and to that, let me just say, men should be talking about this. This is this is for too long been put on the backs of women, of women to carry yeah. alone. And this is an issue. Men made this problem. Men need to fix this problem too. Okay, we're part of this as well. This is this is an issue where we shouldn't be afraid to say the word abortion. We we get cutesy about it. Over seventy percent of people in this country support Roe v. Wade. 
over yeah. 70%. Sometimes it's as high as 80, depending on the, the exact timing of it. But that's vastly popular. That is, yeah, and that really hasn't changed. Like, and since, that has not like changed. Like the 90s. It's just been that those are the numbers. So those are the numbers, okay? We are right now, we have allowed minoritarian rule to uh, lead the messaging on this, which is inaccurate and it's, it's false. And we have been shamed into silence for no reason. It's a medical procedure that is between a person, a human, and their doctor. That's it. That is it. Those are the only people involved. And the fact that we have pro-life, the fact that we have small government Republicans, bullshit. They are not small government. They are not pro-life. They are invasive. They are intrusive. And they're putting undue burden on over 50% of the population of this country. It is not equal and it is not right. And and I want to say like, if they really, like, here's, I don't mean to give Republicans any <laughs> pointers here. <laughs> But, like, if you really wanted to be pro-life, then you would say what we need to do is, like, create an environment in which women don't end up with unwanted pregnancies. And here are some policy positions that might help do that. And it might start with universal health care. And it might end with, um, you know, uh, universal early childhood education. You know what I mean? Like, these are, like policies that stem from something that you might think of but that's how you as know pro-life but then you but those are never the no. next thing that uh, that because we because they're not interested in that and and you know george carlin had a phenomenal rant about this in the 90s but he said republicans are only interested in women as brood mares of the state and i'll that's all i could think of in that chilling line in, yes in the leaked in this leaked Let's hear it. opinion where they said uh the the supply chain of the in, domestic, the, in, supply, the domestic of supply chain of infants the domestic supply of infants the yep. domestic supply of infants that is how they think about it and that's what we should be focused on right now because they only care and and we're we're talking about white babies let's be honest yeah well by the way can i just say a, a listener um DM'd me and said, can you guys make sure to talk about page 34? <laughs> and this was like, I was like on the road. I didn't, I didn't know the details, you know? And I was like, page 34, what does that mean? You know? And then I like Googled it. I was like, oh, domestic supply of infants. Yeah. It's, um, and it's, it's true. Like why exact domestic supply of infants can only mean nice white babies um which you know which are some of our great babies but like i'm just but i'm not saying some they're not our awesome babies. babies some are of you our like best all babies, babies are grading this all babies are great hashtag not Look, all babies there are great babies on both sides <laughs> no but but it was it was such a chilling statement and it was such a really weird factory like look at at um at women and, and as as people who make those babies um yeah I, here's one thing i wanted to ask you eddie because what's also st- shocking to me benari talked about the numbers you know again 70 percent um six in ten americans um think it should be legal in most or all cases which is even more than than the 70 percent figure uh in terms of like how intensely they support it and i i've honestly met you know in my travels um doing stand-up and then interviewing a a bunch of people um you know uh maga type voters around the country i don't get the sense that they don't want to be able to have a reproductive choice right 
Yeah. They, they're, I'm not getting the sense that, that they're like, there is an evangelical, like, met Trump uh, Venn diagram for sure. But there's also plenty of people, I think, that are like actually pro choice. It's not a popular position. Why would the, your opponents across the aisle be running on this platform? Like, it would it. Well, there's, I mean, there's, you know, I think there's things Republicans will say, you know, to get, uh, to get donations, to get press, to get sort of energy versus what they're, you know, what they might actually believe or want to run on. So I think they're, they're slippery in that way. And there was Mm -hmm. actually just a, a local Republican, one of uh, the Republicans in my race, there's, I think about six of them now who was confronted about this issue. And, and the journalist had said, are you for forcing you know forced birth and he you know when they are actually confronted with the issue they slip and slide and don't want to answer that question because they know because it's not popular exactly exactly (laughs) but they are you know when they when they trot out lines like i believe in life and life begins at conception it, it can it can quote again sound nice and sound like oh we believe in this thing like who doesn't want to believe in life and and you know so it's it's all just like you know, messaging, you know, trickery. But when it comes down to it, they don't want to be on the campaign trail talking about the government forcing women to give birth because you're right. It's not popular. And, and uh, yeah. you know, also we're talking about what now what constitutes an abortion, because this also gives state governments the right to be intrusive in investigating a miscarriage or investigating um, diseases for, you know, women have during their pregnancies or, or women who uh, encounter irregularities. Now women's control over how they handle their pregnancies are being taken out of their control. And that is also the antithesis of what Republicans say they stand for. But let me let me just say to your point, they they get away with it because they can. There are no repercussions. And there's a lot that's all tied to the gutting of voting rights, the gerrymandering that's been held in place. And a lot of these have been Republican justices on the court who have upheld these things. So this is really part of a consolidation of power. Roe v. Wade, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, if they can overturn Roe v. Wade, they can absolutely overturn anything. LGBTQ rights are next. This is this is uh, uh, whether, whether birth control, birth control, um, and and we could talk about intermarriage because these are all the things. <laughs> yeah, that, and, and we Uh-oh. laugh, yeah. we laugh, but but and the very idea of who constitutes an actual citizen in this country. All of these things are are tied together with the Republicans' uh, last grasp at maintaining power. Their power base is dwindled to white dudes and and a lot of their wives sorry ladies but like that's what it comes down to and and they are in the minority they have been in the minority for much longer than we've ever acknowledged and the senate is vastly disproportional uh when it comes to uh representation and we are we have a razor thin uh, majority in the House and on the on the courts. And let me just say the courts, um, you know, I, I don't know what to do, but we need to expand the courts. There's a lot structurally that needs to be done. So people need to get focused. They need to get local and they need to be loud and they need to be talking about this all the time. We can't be stunned into silence because there are more of us on this side of the issue than there are and of I, them. And, and we have to keep talking about it. 
I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think one of the things that's exciting about having Eddie on the show today is that he's a symbol of that action, right? Like, this how you take action is by voting and i think we can get really lost in the dystopian possibilities and i don't want to do that because let's not we're not like that there's no point in that right now right now i think the only thing we should be talking about and we had anat shankar asorio on the show talking about how the number one thing about making voting popular uh, about about uh, an increasing electoral participation is literally just talking about voting. So at every turn, every one of us should be talking about voting, right? Because that's the solution. We don't have very many other solutions. Okay? And don't get dispirited. Don't get dispirited because they are actively working to disenfranchise you. We we need to be realistic about it, but we can't be. Doomsday yeah. about Dooms, it. Yeah, because, not helpful. Because not it's helpful. not helpful. And so they didn't give up. Look, when they lost, you know, they, they lost Roe v. Wade. They lost, uh, they got they got borked, which is a thing, right? They didn't get a yeah. Supreme Court <laughs> yeah, justice yeah, yeah, in yeah. the 80s. They, there's all these battles that they lost, but they never stopped. It didn't matter that the, the polls Guys, weren't on their side. Guys, take inspiration from like, the Republicans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just don't give up. They don't kill. And they don't sh- give up. We shouldn't give up. That's you know, absolutely and, and, true. And please miss me with this Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired uh, <clears throat> nonsense. Because, And I just want to speak to this too because we get, we get dispirited of like, well, she should have retired. There was no point. Unless she retired in 2011, she couldn't retire in 2012. It was an election year. 2013, Mitch McConnell made it clear that they were going to obstruct and there was already a filibuster still in place for Supreme Court justices. So 2013, um, McConnell made it clear that Obama wasn't going to get any justices approved and they were holding up his district court justices, right? 2014, Republicans win. Back the Senate. 2015, she couldn't retire. We already know what happened with Merrick Garland. So, like, there's nine years. Unless, unless she. Okay, unless right. We're, so we're she would have had to retire, at, you know, a in a ridiculously window. early time. And the yeah. fact is, it was. Well, that's Kennedy's, a really good point. But, and it was Kennedy's retirement that shifted the balance. And let's not let Roberts off the hook here. He, even though he, he's not signing on to this egregious majority opinion, he was still voting to uphold the Mississippi ruling of a ban at six weeks. Right, right, right. So Robert's plan was old school Republicans, which is keep the technical law in place, but gut it the way he did with voting rights, the way he's done with gerrymandering, the way he's done with... Okay, so, so that's the old school Republicans. We're in a new world now where Republicans don't care about the messaging. They don't care if they are egregiously overstepping. This is judicial activism at its worst. Right. So we need to be focused on that. We need to be focused on what Republicans are doing and we need to be inspired and we need to keep going. And we need to vote. We need to vote. You know what? We're going to take a break. (laughs) And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some races to watch, also known as electoral contests to watch. Uh, So let's take a quick break. And um, and then when we come back, we'll do that. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. 
Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And before we get into topic number two, I'm going to do electoral contest to watch, formerly known as races to watch, which sounds like I'm talking about (laughs) racists, which sometimes I am. Now, the first, um, let me, I'm going to go through a couple of, we're talking a lot about the Senate in this one because we could have had just a bill like in five minutes, um, if it weren't for the fact that we don't really have full control of the Senate, even though we technically do. So Representative Val Demings is a Democratic frontrunner in Florida's Senate race, um, running against Marco Rubio. And uh, so check out that race in Nevada. Catherine Cortez Masto is um, is is a considered a vulnerable Democrat um, and running against Adam Luxalt, who, like um, like Eddie mentioned, does the kind of waffling thing that says overturning Roe would be a historic victory. But at the same time, it's settled law in Nevada, so we don't need to talk about it. You know, so he's like doing both things. New Hampshire uh, in New Hampshire, Democrat uh, Se- Senator Maggie Hassan is running in Dem- uh, Senator Mark Kelly in Arizona has to defend his seat and he's running and it's a it's a toss-up I think right it's a toss-up in that state yep and he's running against Attorney General Mark uh, Brnovich who tweeted that if he's elected Ro- in Rose overturn he would get to work on Arizona and across the country to protect life so um, so these are some of the Senate races that are like really uh, we really got to look at them. So if you are in any of those states, um, please look at those. And then also if you're not in those states, you know, because all the Senate races are sort of national races now. And then the last race to watch is Eddie Geller's race. It's the it's in Florida's 15th. Eddie, is there is there like a one line thing you want to say about your candidacy in Florida's 15th? Yeah, I would just say it's. It's this new open seat that was created with redistricting, and it's a purple seat, so it is absolutely flippable. 
we've been able to raise over $300,000. So this is a, a big, serious campaign. I would love to get y'all support. Put Help put a progressive in Central Florida. So eddiegeller.com, uh, Florida's 15th district. Vote like uh, democracy is on the line, please. Yes! <laughs> it is, absolutely because- is. It's it's at that level, and but it's also look. Twenty sixteen, the Supreme Court was on the ballot, and it wasn't enough. And now we've seen how that goes. Judges are always on the ballot. Your representatives are always on the ballot. Like who represents you is important. Please vote for people like Eddie. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was talking about like you know marital difficulties, and she's she's been in in a, married for like sixteen years, and. You know, uh, and and her marriage is great. There's nothing to worry about. She was just, but she was talking about like the way she realized that she can keep it a healthy marriage is that she realized like marriages are very fragile and they need constant upkeep. But if you do the constant upkeep, it's great. But if you don't do it, it falls apart. And that is, I believe, our relationship with our democracy. It is fragile. If but if we always do our part, will it be awesome? You know what I mean? And so. Yeah, so I know we all feel real shitty right now, but I really do believe that. Uh, so let's all get in there. It's an election year. We got a lot of work to do. Now let's get into it with topic number two. This will be a shorty. Is it's kind of dumb, but there's this guy in North Carolina. His name is Madison Cawthorn. He is a representative, a freshman representative in um, from North Carolina, and he's just done a bunch like a bunch of embarrassing stuff has come out about him a credible accusation of insider trading photos of him wearing hoop earrings and a bra um he, with a photo a video of him with a male staffer's hand on his crotch and some na- naked humping of the upper body of another man um again i don't actually care if he wears earrings or humps men so but that is a standard that Republicans have carved out for themselves, which is the only reason I mention it. Uh, because to me, I'm like, uh, that actually makes you more interesting if you wear earrings. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, I, you know, I'm, I'm just like, oh, maybe there's like something else, another story going on with you. Um, but it, it, he's also a, bi- a big time um, Trump dude. And and I don't know if you guys remember this in March, he kind of came out and said that like people like GOP lawmakers were openly sniffing drugs and hosting orgies. (laughs) And then he also disparaged Vladimir Zelensky and called him a thug. So it seems like maybe his uh, colleagues don't like him anymore I don't know but he's in a tough primary race um I don't even know why we're talking about this (laughs) just that it's like his name keeps coming up so I was just like oh let's talk about this guy um here's here's my question for you so he's 26 years old and it's an age group where there's a lot of photos and there's a lot of video um I don't know. Does it even, is it, does it, do any of these things matter? I mean, I think we should unseat this guy because it sounds like he has shitty policy positions. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, you know, in deciding to run for Congress, I definitely had a lot of moments of like, oh my gosh, am I ready? Can I do right. this? And then you look at someone like Madison Cawthorn, who's in Congress, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell am I worried about? Like, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> On my worst day, I would be a million times better than this guy. So, I mean, that's one of the things that crossed my mind. And if anyone listening ever thinks about running for office, think of Madison Cawthorn. Think of all the terrible Republicans that you'll be better than. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Benari. It's also, again, very telling about what the Republican Party stands for as a whole. Mazen Cawthorn was pro-Nazi. Like, OG Nazi. He went to, like, he went to Hitler's, like, nest and was like, look, I'm in his bunker. Like, this is great. I'm in his vacation home. Um, he He's, like, pro-insurrection. He's bashing democracy, uh, both at home and abroad, bashing, like, hero of the world, Zelensky, um, who's fighting across, you know, against uh, an autocratic yeah. dictator. So He's had 18 ethics violations. He's had just, 18 ethics violations as you went through. Um, he's credibly accused of, of sexual assault. Um, he, in the car accident that uh, uh, paralyzed him, he, the guy who saved his life, he has blamed for the accident and, blamed for, like, he's thrown that guy under the butt, like his friend who saved his life. So this is a piece of shit to his core. And Republicans didn't care about that until he started talking about their coke orgies, which may or may not be true. <laughs> and now there's a Republican smear campaign to crush this guy, not because uh, he's pro-insurrection, not because he's pro-Nazi, not because he's, uh, you know, uh, of any of these other things that should have been. Not, not nice. <laughs> uh, not, not because he's not very smart. Okay. This is not a, 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 an intellectual thinker here. Uh, he was just he was just a vote for them, but they go against him because of because he gave away secrets of the Republican Party. That's right. what they care about. They 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 care about keeping people in line. And it, he reminds <laughs> me a little bit of the Veep character Jonah, who a spoiler for any of you who haven't seen all the seasons of Veep, but like jo, the, you know, tall Jonah ends up sort of being groomed to be a, a representative and then sort of like becomes a monster doing it and makes too much news yeah. and like says dumb stuff, right? Like, so it, it's kind of, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of that that situation. But it's also interesting because I don't think that the typical electorate cares anymore. I, I don't think that the, that the things that they're using to discredit him matter anymore in campaign. I think we're post-shame. Um, I think we're post-shame in campaigns. Well, and I think, I, well, I was just going to say, I think too is like, if your campaign, I, I think what they've realized is if you don't apologize and you just power through it, then, you know, the news cycle will move fast enough and, and you'll be able to get, you know, get past it. But if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. and you do a big apology. If you actually show some, you know, uh, some regret, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Don't right. do yeah, that. Don't, don't be self-aware <laughs> and, and never regret. That's the key to winning elections now. <laughs> um, uh, Benari, uh, you, should be, you should be running the Democratic campaign. Um, yeah, no uh, regrets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, so, let's, so we're going to talk about another like little uh, odd and end here in the political maelstrom of American life. So I guess... There's been reports in the last few weeks of Dianne Feinstein forgetting stuff. She's obviously a senator from California. She's 88. At 88, I guess it's not terribly surprising to be kind of forgetting stuff and being forgetful. Um, no one is like really denying any of the reports of like it, the ways in which she was forgetful um, in sometimes embarrassing ways. Uh, I guess my question is, what is the Senate's responsibility when we – when they see someone in decline, if in fact that's what's going on, what is her staff's responsibility? Um, who who's the responsible one? I mean, lawmakers get old, so how should we manage that? <laughs> so, look, this is this is a a longstanding question, but when when they put the initial rules 
in place when you know when we when we created this system and updated it um what was the average lifespan of people right right like you know 60s i think 60s so and you were talking about like people get into office like 35 40 so you were talking about people would be in power for maybe 20 25 years tops now you can now you have (laughs) now you have octogenarians and and uh who are who are empowered that were never meant to be holding on this long and there's really no mechanism to get rid of them unless you put age limits on your terms and and i think where we're at now it might not be a bad idea and let me just say this the the i'm saying this as gen x the forgotten generation the overlooked (laughs) we just get we're like oh these boomers versus millennials and we're just like eh whatever like that's very on brand for gen x uh i still remember like rotary phones i still remember a time before being aggressively online i remember like you know not having cell phones and things like that um i can appreciate what joe biden's america was like or diane feinstein's america was like when they were growing up a millennial like someone who's in their 20s now or 28 also in elected office okay like an aoc to a diane feinstein fifty thousand leaps of of technology occurred and life changed completely and and there's no there's no one to one. I think you need people who are like bridges between older generations and younger generations, and that's why there should be like a sweet spot of like, look, if we had elected officials who were between like thirty and sixty, you're always going to have those gaps. Bridged. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's true. and maybe that's how we should be looking at I it. I like is, that. Is, is I like that. It's sociological. Because what ends up happening is too much power goes to like old people. You get too many old people. In yeah, power. because but, but, you know, and obviously be, th- that's that's just the way it's set up. Like the yeah. longer you're there, then the more power you accrue. Now, Eddie Geller, you're you're what? You're pushing ninety at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, where do you do you would you sort of favor some kind of a standard? And by the, here's my question for you: Is there a double standard? Because, for example. Um, you know, the uh, Senator Byrd of West Virginia, he died in office at age 100. Um, we had uh, Strom Thurmond, who retired just a year before his death at 100. So he retired at 99. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a former Senate aide to Strom Thurmond <laughs> said in 2020, said for his last 10 years, Strom Thurmond didn't even know if he was on foot or on horseback. So it was entirely his staff that was running that operation. Um, is there, you know, I, I don't particularly remember hearing anything about Strom Thurmond or Bird or anything, you know, at that time. I mean, I don't know. It was a long time ago, but still, I don't remember us talking about it. Do you feel like there's a double standard because, um, Senator Feinstein's a woman? Oh, I mean, I think there's always a double standard. I mean, I think, you know, women are always going to be more scrutinized than men. So I, I think that is, that's always in play. And I definitely think, you know, anyone who cannot perform their duties in office should no longer be in office. And the, you know, to Benari's point, it's like, what is the mechanism for enforcing that? That is a little more difficult to say. But here's what what I will say is when I am 80 and I come on this podcast and if I am no longer <laughs> making sense, I hope that you all will hold me to account and, and yeah, keep yeah, it yeah. Really well. Have a pull, do a little pull aside. Yes, please, please do. <laughs> and I think part of the problem we have is that, look, there are people that might lose their mental faculties at a young age. Yeah, you know, that, that one of the th- we we have no real way of knowing because of the way um, 
our, the, 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 our power structure works. There's too many people that are invested in maintaining the people in power to keep their own jobs. And so, you know, staffs run, <laughs> you know, those offices more than the, than the senator themselves, right? Yeah. So, so it's almost like what's more important is their, their staff. And we, we, should, we should be taking a real, look, we need a lot of structural changes and there's so much work to be done. But, but one thing that I think we need to do is be honest. And we also need to, as Democrats, we need to be uh, raising the next generation constantly. We should, we should be taking a next man up mentality always. We can't just Next man up. Benari, I can't believe you. I just... And, and, <laughs> yes, that's right. Talk exactly. About, Thank you. <laughs> talk about biases. Wow. Wow. I did it Not to myself. Look. Not a good I look. did it to myself. Um, um, but yes, we should have yeah. a next person up um, <laughs> mentality so that, so, that, so that the younger generation is getting mentored and yeah. ready to step in at a moment's notice so that we don't have to rely on and the I, old guard constantly. I also want to say at the same time, I really appreciate the wisdom of elders, mm-hmm. just generally. And I think in a political context, there is something to be said for people that have been there forever and could tell you how shit works. Thousand percent. Which is why also this sort of like, uh, whatever you want to call it, under the wing apprenticeship kind of shit is really important. And also one of the mechanisms it may it could be argued for, for dealing with this aging issue is just voters. Voters, you guys have to do it. <laughs> I mean, like if, you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, and I think too, and and I totally agree. Younger people need to get more involved, but I, you know, I want to continue to put it on the backs of the Democrats who have power, both nationally, statewide, locally, they have to be more inviting. I'm at local democratic meetings all the time. And these are great folks, but for the most part, you know, people are 50 plus and there's nothing wrong with that, but they... There's not enough work being done to get young folks involved because you also have to be, I mean, I think this is me as like a former comedian is like, you gotta, you gotta have good material to bring people in. Right. right? And so, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Look there, we need to be better with outreach. Yes, generally. And we should, again, I, I say this literally all the time. We need to make engagement in the democratic process more fun. Can there be more fun? And I, you know, me and Benari met through a fun engagement of the democratic process. Drinking Liberally is a national organization in which people get together, they have a beer, and they talk politics. It's literally, though, about the beer and the politics is second. That's right. Totally. So it's like fun really matters, and how can you inject fun into the process? My last thought is, yes, and I launched my campaign with a parody sitcom jingle because I think, (laughs) because this stuff is so important, and and to your point, it's got to be fun, it's got to be engaging, so... Right on. Yeah, I love that. All right, and let us move on to topic number three. So, again, this is just weird. Kendrick Lamar has a new music video, and he uses deepfake technology to make it appear like other people are rapping on his body. And I, uh, and, and then people we see are like uh, Kanye West, OJ Simpson, Will Smith, Kobe Bryant, um, Nipsey Hussle. And at, for, when I first read about it, I was just like, oh, that'll probably look really weird folks it didn't look weird like it looked so intensely believable and i haven't thought about deep deep fake since we first started tossing the term around i guess what when was that a a few years ago uh but 
man, the technology is real good, huh? Uh, we, um, and this was used for art. Uh, do you, I mean, does it, is it possible to use this ethically? Like, what is the purpose beyond art of this particular technology? Yeah, I mean, that that's a good question. I, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil any uh, Star Wars uh, things, but there, you know, it, oh, yeah, um, you know, so it, to your point, like, you can it, look, spoil away. She's never, Nagin's never gonna watch it, right? I, I, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I can't speak for my fans, but just earmuffs, guys, yeah, for, ear, 20 for 20 seconds. As... So, <laughs> so we were able to bring back Luke Skywalker using deepfakes, which is wonderful. Um, but I think to your point, it, it is worrying, but I also think, you know, deep fakes, uh, you know, are this thing that takes a lot of technology to make it look really good. Like what you were watching, you know, took, I'm sure, you know, millions of dollars to make as, as look as good as it is. So I am, it does worry me, but I'm like, I think just general Facebook fake news, you know, like in terms of people believing stuff that isn't true. I think there's actually a lower hanging fruit of things that I'm worried about. But yeah, it, it is a little disconcerting to see when it, it gets that close. I hate it as an artist, uh, and I know I use that term loosely, but I see the danger. I, was, I love that comedians, we always use the term artist loosely. We, like, don't own it ever. We ever? never own that term. Why? I mean, technically we are. Okay, go ahead. But you know right. what? You're, you're absolutely correct. No regrets. I have no shame and no self-awareness, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to power through. Uh, and because, because what happens is when deep fakes get good enough you only need the performer once and then mark hamill can play luke skywalker in perpetuity because they have an endless database of all his facial expressions uh, and his voice how he speaks his cadence and as the technology gets better the actual artist themselves becomes less and less important except for that initial artistry so what happens is we're cutting artists out of the process because now we can recreate anything we want. We can make endless sequels to things with the original uh, cast, you know, from the forties. You could, you could do, you could, you do Casablanca too. Doesn't matter that everyone's dead. We can, we can. Oh, I don't and, like that. And yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> so, so this is my fear: is that yeah. in in the end, we're you know, ethics aside, which is already horrific. We, this, I only see this as going from taking away from from artists. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm signing on to that, Benari. Um, I, you know what? And I want to say, I will always like they didn't need to do that thing with a uh, fucking in the irishman or whatever yeah they digitally re- i will it. i will follow the story if you just cast younger people just cast yes. younger you don't need to do that weird thing i don't like it just cast younger people more people get to have jobs these poor bastards that are always trying to get acting jobs she looks at herself you know what i mean so like don't do it okay let's move on to this other little point in in cultural history was made on a Monday because Andy Warhol's shot Sage Blue Maryland, that really famous one of Marilyn Monroe, that one that piece sold for $195 million and is now officially the most expensive piece of art ever sold by a US artist. Um, I mean, talk about inflation. I what I mean, what what is 
up with these valuations. There's something about about art being sold in this fashion that feels like crypto to me. Like I don't understand these valuations, you know. Um, so I don't know. Was it? What did you think when you heard that this <laughs> uh, this piece sold for so much? I was just glad it wasn't an NFT. That was like so, <laughs> so, a little bit <laughs> yeah, of solace true. that it was an actual <laughs> painting. Yeah, no, that's a, that's that there there is that, uh, Benari. As I felt about NFTs and crypto, this is probably a money laundering scheme. I think all these things are money laundering schemes. I I just right. I'm sorry, but yeah, anonymous <laughs> purchaser. Yeah, my yeah, yeah. gut is always when I see these prices go through the roof like that. I just think like, oh, someone's laundering money. Also, as a comedian who. As an artist, and I use that term loosely, <laughs> I, <laughs> I like my stuff is so much cheaper than that. You know what I mean? There's a part of me that's like, what? Like, why is it that? Ex- like, you know what I mean? Like, you can buy my book for like twenty five dollars. You know what I mean? I don't know. But an um, Andy Warhol reproduction of that book. Is your book a money laundering scheme? That is right, my no, exactly. real question. It's a penny laundering scheme. Yeah. Um, this is our mistake. Like, <laughs> this is our mistake. We need to go bigger with the money laundering. Stop right, laundering right, pennies. Right, right, I know. Or should, or should, you know, it's like I do a podcast that people can listen to for free. It's like, I'm. Do- what am I doing? I don't know. I, this should be this should be a $195 million podcast. <laughs> All right. That is the end of the show. Oh, my God. What a fantastic conversation. You're both just so wonderful. And what I would really love is for the people of Faith the Nation to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful things you do. Benari, where do they do that? Uh, They can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Benari Lee, B-E-N-A-R-I-L-E-E. And uh, yeah. No regrets. Keep tabs on where you can see Benari perform um, and all of the cultural products that he'll be selling for $195 million um, because he is... I'm definitely getting into money laundering. He's definitely getting into money laundering. I'm pivoting to money laundering. (laughs) (laughs) Which we all should have been in the first place. Eddie, um, Eddie Geller, uh, candidate for Florida's 15th, uh, where do people find you? Well, people can go to eddiegeller.com, check out my website, uh, chip in a few bucks if you can, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at gellered, G-E-L-L-E-R-E-D. Uh, definitely do that. Like I said, we, we, hi- we've been highlighting races, um, in the last few months. We're going to continue to do that. If you are in Florida, um, definitely, or if you're not again, because we're not all in states that need as much energy as states like Florida, right? I'm in New York. It's a little just uh, different. So, um, and there's, um, there's a sister district plan where you can kind of get excited about other districts that are not your own, uh, and, 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 and put your energy to good use um so definitely check out um eddiegeller.com wait yes. is that what you said yes eddiegeller.com um and get excited about that race and um and all of the races because we're gonna get excited that's what we're gonna do and i would really um as you know i'm gonna be at joe's pub on may 21st and may 22nd i hope you can uh, get uh, come out and join in new york city um i have a new piece out in the progressive about how um, parenting is hard in my column hemming and hawing in the progressive magazine so i hope you check that out but i also would really love for you to um join me and thank of the wonderful people that make this show a possibility every day. That's our fantastic producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our wonderful audio engineer stepping in to save the show today. It's Danielle 
Ramos, and everyone at HeadGum that makes this show possible. Our theme music was written by Gabby Alter. And um, you can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Again, that's fakethenation at headgum.com if you have any races you want us to watch or if you have any ideas uh, for the show. Um, we are, uh, we're, we're all ears. And uh, we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum podcast. <laughs>